Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Finestone. We're contributors to the Fight Game Media Network, and we have a terrific show lined up for you, something very special. We're going to be covering the Road to the Tokyo Dome show, a terrific show at Corican Hall today. We're going to be talking about some of the events leading up to the big Wrestle Kingdom week. But Jeremy, we have something very, very exciting. We have two of the primary participants in New Japan's biggest event. Uh, why don't you tell the folks about it? Well, uh, a call was made out on the social media internet, and we answered from El Fantasmo and Hikuleo that they were doing some meet and greet with the uh, the podcast world, and they <laughs> had decided to join us and give us some of their time. And so we're going to bring them on right now and waste no more time. And welcome to Hikuleo and ELP. Hey, what's up, guys? What up? We're very happy to have the NJPW Strong Openweight Tag Team Champions on the show with us. And, uh, gentlemen, we're just going to start with this. A huge show coming up, of course, January 4th, Wrestle Kingdom 18. Title versus title. Your strong openweight titles against the IWGP World Heavyweight titles. So after a year of a, a lot of changes and things going on with where you guys are aligned, and th you're in one of the biggest matches of the year on one of the biggest shows of the year, title versus title. Uh, it's a bit overwhelming. How are you feeling going into this one? You've been in the Wrestle Kingdom stage before, but this is a huge match for both of you. Yeah, ELP has been on the Wrestle Kingdom stage before. This will be my first main right. card appearance. Main card, yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. So how are you feeling about it? I mean, this is this is a, a big match in a big spot, and you're with uh, two of the very best in the world. Some say the Bishamon's the best tag team in the world. So uh, it, it must be very exciting being in this kind of position in this spot. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about how you how you prepare for a match of this magnitude? Yeah, well, uh, as you can see, I have a straw up my nose. Oh. <laughs> as I just had a, like a deviated septum fix from uh, numerous uh, broken noses over the course of my career. Oh, wow. And then also my uh, shoulder and neck have been fucked up from Tag League and the G1. So I'm not on the best uh, path to the Tokyo Dome uh, physically wise, but uh, mentally we're excited. We're, uh, yeah, our, uh, our, the biggest match of both of our careers for sure inside the Tokyo Dome with an opportunity to finally uh, ascend to that next level in New Japan. Uh, whether we do or not, that remains to be seen, but you know. After beating Bishamon at Corkin Hall and uh, barely losing to them in the finals, uh, we're feeling pretty good going into the Tokyo Dome. Uh, I haven't won a match inside the Tokyo Dome in five or six years, but hmm. hey, there's a first for everything, right, boys? I think I think money's on you guys, in, in my opinion. The momentum is in the direction of the Gorillas of Destiny. Um, I got a question about the way you two uh, lined up with each other. You guys both have a little, uh, little bit of crazy in you, uh, ELP. You're you're willing to go a little nuts in the ring, and Hikaleo, you're willing to destroy your body in a multiple different ways. Did that? <laughs> do you encourage each other to go a little like crazier because you want to one up each other? Are you on the same page? You know, you'll Hikaleo, you'll be you're willing to take a fall off the rafters in order to uh, in order to win your title, but it didn't work out that way. ELP, you'll do a Who's Your Daddy match with Shingo Takagi and uh, make it entertaining. So what's your mentality working with each other and just being fun and creative in the ring and how that's going to uh, 
bring you success. You know, I, I totally forgot about that rafter table bump. I feel like the more times I bring out a table, the more I get put through the table. That's a, yeah. this is the second time now I brought out a table. Damn, bro, you got to stop doing that. Yeah. We should have just, just used the chairs, bro. Just fucking sabu the shit chairs. out of them. It's amazing how often. The top rope. I would have never gone off the top rope if it wasn't for ELP. So he does push me. I was wondering way. about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, when the first time it didn't work out, I was like, you know what? Let me try it myself. And you doing a thunder team. kick off the top rope. Will, and then your poor knees, my man, your poor knees. How are you feel? Are, are you ever going to try that one again? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Of course. <laughs> I keep, that seemed like a Tokyo Dome moment. Like, uh -huh. if, if it were up to me, I'd see, I'd see a thunder kiss like that off the Tokyo Dome. Both of you doing a thunder kiss. Now I know why he does it, man. The rush you get for being up there. When he held me out there for a second, I was like, damn, this is pretty damn cool. And then I jumped and the rope slipped. The rope like uh rolled. They spin. The yeah, they spin. So my foot slipped on it and I didn't get my full, you know, I didn't get to spread the wings as much as I wanted to. But you know, being <laughs> well, with ELP, excited to see it'll happen again. <laughs> yeah, being with ELP, man, it you definitely it work up the courage to push the limits. Well, I, you know, I wanted to just go back a little bit here with you guys. You said this is a, the, you said yourselves, the biggest match of your career coming up, but it's been a long journey. Uh, both of you have been a part of the New Japan system in one way or another for years. So, Fantasmo, for you, I know uh, it started a little bit with Rev Pro. You had a couple of matches when New Japan came over to England uh, and you appeared on those. And then, you know, boom, in 2019, you're in Best of Super Juniors. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about how you and New Japan came to be on each other's radar, how you got your first run there? Uh, was How did that all come together? Yeah, it was all thanks to RevPro. You know, I moved from Canada, went to England, uh, had no bookings in, the, in England except through RevPro, through Kyle O'Reilly, who got me that first match against David Starr. And then uh, just kept grinding and hustling and then uh, i remember new japan came over for like a super strong style tour in england and they did the first night in milton Keynes, and then they did the second night in manchester and uh, i wasn't on the first one but i was on the second one and it was like a, a four-way with me david star uh taiji ishimori and tiger mask and uh you know i kind of showed out showed up did the rope walk moonsault, did a coast to coast, uh, got my shit in as Brian Cage would say. And, you know, I think kind of got some big reactions from that big crowd that had never seen me before, which, uh, I think definitely turned a couple heads backstage, but that was also at the time that, uh, like Kushida just left new Japan and NXT UK was starting. So a lot of the UK guys were going to NXT UK and it was just kind of like the right place at the right time that New Japan needed a new junior. And uh, they have the alliance with Rev Pro. And, you know, I have was a, a loyal Rev Pro guy in my time in England. And then they gave me a match with uh, El Desperado at your call. That uh, was a lot of fun. And then they gave me uh, the British J-Cup with Liger. And, you know... Uh, my biggest thing was like, let's just not hurt Liger and let's take care of him and have fun. And then, you know, ended up yeah. winning the whole tournament, which was crazy. And then, you know, then I kind of felt like, oh, they were kind of testing me and they, they sent Rocky to wrestle me, you know, just, they just kept slowly sending guys to see if I could hang with them. And, you know, the whole reason of leaving Canada going to the UK was to show that I could wrestle 
the best wrestlers in the world at a top level and you know right place right time that uh they offered me a deal well it shows i'm sorry they shows the the faith they had in you because you look at the names you just listed the people you wrestled very early in your new japan run some of the very best they had some of the all-time legends so they must have uh, felt comfortable with you uh, right away and uh, and that's testament to the way you did show up like you said yeah well they it's also funny that uh they originally only offered me like a three-month deal to do the best of super juniors and maybe super junior tag league but that was also right as AEW was starting and uh I wrestled Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan was there and they offered me a deal to go to AEW. Uh, but that was before anybody kind of knew what it was. And then I was fucking went from one day being a, an unknown indie wrestler in the UK to have multiple contracts offers. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, new Japan asked first and that's what my decision came down to was they asked first, they wanted me first. Uh, yeah, it was funny that I was texting Cody Rhodes on WhatsApp and then he didn't respond. And then uh, I was like, Cody, like, uh, I kind of like need to talk to you. And he didn't respond. And then Rocky got the U uh, the Japanese visa. And then they're like, hey, we want you in Bullet Club. I was like, shit, I can't say no to that. And then, uh, but they, if you ever talk to Cody, he's like, oh, I've only ever used WhatsApp for one person because like, I don't have like iMessage or anything. And like, that was like the funny story that, uh, Tony Khan was like, hey, what, what's going on? And I was like, well, he didn't respond to me on WhatsApp. And then he fucking called Cody backstage in front of everybody. He's like, what's going on with ELP? And I was like, dude, like, you didn't respond on WhatsApp. He's like, oh, shit, I don't. Like, you're the only person I talked to on WhatsApp, so we forgot to check it. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of it, it was kind of funny story. All right place, right time, like you said. And Hikaleo, I wanted to ask you. Now, you had uh, trained originally with the Dudleys in Florida, correct? It was That was before you were with the dojo, but... Uh, of course, you have a lot of ties with your family uh, to New Japan Pro Wrestling between you know, Haku, Tama Tonga, Tongaloa, the rest. Uh, was the goal always New Japan, even when you were training with the Dudleys in Florida? Or was that something that uh, you thought, maybe I'll forge my own path, and then you ended up there? I mean, what, what was that story? Uh, yeah, New Japan was always the plan, um, especially with the heavy influence of my dad. He was like, that's the place you need to go. You need to learn from there, start out from there. And... Um, yeah, that we caught wind that they were doing a show in New Zealand. Uh, and so Tom was like, let's get you down there and train at the father had his was just starting a school. There's only two of us there oh. and hopefully get a look. But I had originally sent my stuff into New Japan probably in 2000, 2015. Uh, but they weren't accepting any more people. They said they had too many foreigners. I think they had Jay Finley juice and maybe cody hall in the dojo and they're like there was just too many foreigners during that time so i waited like another year and that's when the show down in new zealand happened and that's when they uh, we flew down there i trained with Fale for like three months and that's when the show came over and uh who was it? i think it was hattori he was over there first he's like why don't we try and have you over there for three to six months in the dojo to see what you can do and what sucked was that I had my first match against uh, Aaron Hanare. And he does a kicking thing. And he, what do you call it, fractured my forearm. And this was November 2016. And I was set to go to Japan in 2017, January. So I was really nervous about that. But I guess I showed enough fighting spirit 
where I was doing push-ups, doing all like the workouts with the cast on my forearm. That they you were doing push-ups with the cast on your arm. Oh my yeah. Goodness. Well, at first I didn't. I was kayfaving it. I was like, I can do it without it. But I was just like <laughs> screaming. Like when it kind of rips out, I was just screaming my head off because it hurt so much. And Tom was like, "Don't, don't show, don't show your weakness. Don't tell him you're hurt." And then finally, one day we're in the ring and we're trying to do like um, handstands or whatnot. And it just finally just gave out from the pressure. And they're like, what's wrong with it? And I was like, I think, uh, you know, I took a wrong bump during one of the training sessions. And so they took me to the hospital and they showed like it was like completely like a little bump there now. But that's besides the point. They just they were like, you know, you've been hiding this for, what, two or three months. We love the fighting spirit in you. Well, we'll keep you for a little bit more. And so the rest is history after that. And you you had an ACL tear fairly early in your career, also correct that you had to you had to have surgery and come back from or out a long time. So with those early injuries and th- you must have really impressed with just your persistence because that would have run a lot of guys out. I guess so. Um, yeah, a year after uh, I came to the dojo, 2018, I tore my ACL and I was out for like six months. And then they were like, you know what, the LA jo- dojo was just starting out, and Shibata had just become the coach. Now, let's send you over there, see how you get back into ring shape. And luckily, Shibata's training methods were just really up to date. It was American-style type training, and he kind of kept it easy on me. But, um, yeah, I guess I guess you say I was persistent, but it was kind of like I didn't want to go back to my job at working for, like, a warehouse or, you know, working for, like, pennies or whatnot. You know, why not try and force the, the dream and just accept this little pain for now? So... It worked out, I would say. Jeremy, you have anything? You know, I was just wondering. So, this is fantastic. <laughs> and this isn't the first time that you guys have decided to coordinate your outfits and uh, get a reaction out of people rather than uh, just come up with a little bit of swag. You have a swag in a different way. Are you planning on going into Wrestle Kingdom decked out in LED lights between the two of you? just head to toe the gorilla's destiny with the el fantasma vibe do you have a do you have a flair for wrestle kingdom planned uh kind of i don't think we're gonna do a costume as we kind of want to take wrestle kingdom a little seriously okay. uh but it was funny that uh i kind of had that idea in las vegas against monster sauce i kind of like tweeted i was like oh you guys better not out drip us and i had them like really worried about uh, what we were gonna wear and then you know zane kept uh or like alex zane came dressed up in like gucci and gold and we showed up in like jeans and a t-shirt and he's like what the hell like i thought you guys were gonna have like a big uh big drip on but uh we didn't tell them that we had the bird and ernie costume in the backpack <laughs> and we didn't uh we didn't like bring it out until they had already gone out and their music played. So like when their music was already out there, then we like quickly put it on and then all like Shingo and Rocky saw us back and started popping huge. And, you know, it was just one of those things. And then, uh, that. And you're just to- both on board with this. Well, the original, I, the original plan was like, I wanted to be Oscar the Grouch and he was going to be big bird, but I couldn't, I couldn't find, uh, a costume that was like big enough for me. They had a big Big Bird one, but they didn't have any Oscar the Grouch in my size. So I was like, fuck, what are we going to do? And then Bird and Ernie, I was like, oh, that'll that'll be funny. And then, uh, yeah, then I was, then we knew we were going to do the, uh, 
tag league press conference. I was like, oh, let's do like Christmas elves and give out little presents and stuff and have Jado son dress up as Santa and he can do ho 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 and you know they'll like you know they'll be funny and you know no, nobody in Japan is really like used to that. You know, they're like, oh, I can't believe you guys do this. And you're like, well, wrestling's still entertainment. Like you're not we're not just gonna come in jeans and a t-shirt and say we're gonna have a good fight. Like we like to have fun and you know there was a whole bunch of people there and had people chanting at the at the press conference. So that was a lot of good, but I think for Wrestle Kingdom, we're just gonna wear something sort of nice. Okay. I I do have like a I have a custom outfit being made from a, a fashion friend, but it's yeah, not a costume or anything. It's, it's just swag, maybe press conference, you know. There's there's gonna be some swag to it, but it's definitely no Halloween costume for the biggest show of the year. Fair enough. The next one, enough. the next one though. All right. What do you got, Stephen? On a more serious note here, uh, ELP, you'd mentioned the injuries and how uh, those have piled up. Now, that happens to everybody, whether you're junior heavyweight, heavyweight, or anything. But what I was curious about, since you spent a long time as, as a junior in, in New Japan and working that style, have you had to make much of an adjustment as a heavyweight wrestler now to, you, to your working style? Or is that... Uh, or are you just trying to wrestle like the same way? Or obviously the guys are bigger. That's that's different. But you wrestled heavyweights when you were still in the junior division. So how has that changed as you moved up? Obviously, maybe you're just getting hit by bigger guys, or is it? Have you adjusted? Yeah, it's definitely been an adjustment. I've definitely been getting injured more in the heavyweight style than I did the juniors. But I think that just might be like the wear and tear. But. Uh, there's definitely a different like psychology and tempo to the heavyweight matches. And I was always annoyed that like the, the juniors just don't get treated with the same respect as the heavyweights do. Like yeah. if we're in a six man, me, Ishimori and chase, like chase would get the top billing and the music when we're the tag champions. You're like, yeah. well, what the fuck? Nobody cares about chase. People care about us. <laughs> like why do they automatically get perceived bigger than us? Which was always a little annoying to me, but uh, something I never talked about is I actually tore my MCL in the Shingo feud in the match at Ria Goku, yeah, which sucked because like we had that we had the G one match which was great, and then we were gonna do the the rematch which ended up being a Who's Your Daddy match, which I was like, okay, this is a little weird, but we'll make it work. I, I think we all thought it was weird, but now that you said it, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We it well, when, when they're like, oh, you're just gonna call Shingo Daddy, and I remember like the good brothers and Jay were in the locker room. I like looked over. I was like, what the fuck? Like, is this a rib? And I was like, whatever, we'll make it work and, and, and have it. But yeah, like the first five minutes of that Shingo match, I tore my MCL and, and my meniscus and then had to like wrestle on that. And then I was like, fuck guys, like, uh, I don't know if I can do this. And then we had to do like a street fight in New York. But right. without yeah. that was, that, but that was very like smoke and mirrors. Like if you like rewatch it, like I couldn't bend my knee and, being like very careful, but I was very lucky that I didn't have to get surgery and I could kind of just work through it and adapt through it. But then uh, like this past G1, I had like the issues with my neck and shoulder that I kind of sold throughout that tournament and then it kind of reappeared uh, during tag league. But uh, yeah, that like that hurt more in tag league than it did during the G1. I think this, this tag league schedule was so hard on everyone's bodies. Like we were all beat up. Like it was like 18 matches in like 21 days and travel days. And like, that's why the finals went 40 minutes. Cause we were just so beaten and exhausted that like it sucks. And then 
haven't been to the gym since that and then just to have like this nose getting fixed like it's not the most ideal time when uh it's wrestle kingdom season but like these are the only times you could get these things done so hopefully we can make it to wrestle kingdom get out of there and then we'll be 100 percent for the new beginning whether we're well, the champions or not i will say your performances were such that i wouldn't have known any of that thing until you disclosed it so you hide it well um when you talk about like the 40 minute match i want to know from both of you hickaway i think you've had like a 25 minute match with jay white and fantastically you've had i think like a 30 minute match so was it harder to do a tag match for 40 minutes or go solo for 25 or 30 minutes for each of you solo for sure okay like with the tag with the tag matches you still have that little bit of time when the other guys run in there their hot comeback or you know they're doing a little control that you can kind of like tag out and catch your breath but i think that also that you get hyped up in your head that i get more gassed up in tag matches than i do singles matches because you know you have to work so hard then you have that little period of time to like recover but like there, there was some matches on this tour that like i'd do like the first five minutes touch him he'd do a little thing and then like it'd be 30 seconds he'd be touching me back in you're like shit bro i'm not ready stay in there a little bit i gotta get my breath <laughs> But it gets to be like, it gets to be like high intensity interval training almost with the way it you guys basically work it, basically it is and then when uh, when you're just wrestling every day you can't train properly and these fucking Japanese hotels are shit you're sleeping on concrete you can't like recover like it's brutal man mm -hmm. it, and it's difficult that not everybody's watching every every show to like see the little stories that we're telling in the tournament mm -hmm. they just see the finals and like why did these guys go forty minutes well it's because everyone's beat to fucking injured and the exhaustion that if you followed it, then you'd understand why it went long. But yeah, uh, it's like bringing you guys in, beating Bishamon immediately, and then putting you guys on the level. And, and it was like a full sportsman shaking the hands. Uh, it There was a lot of surprise that uh, it ended up being you guys coming back again. And now you guys are going to have a rubber match. And so I think what you guys have taken is a very interesting, what was a subplot and turn it into the main plot of the entire tag division and just kind of uh, rose, sifted from the ashes of everybody else and said, hey, we are the guys like right now. So I just thought it was really interesting how your stories ended up just being quiet until it just, it, 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 it emerged from everybody. And I, I credit you guys for uh, picking your moments properly in, in the, in the tournament. What uh, I get a question here for I'll go with Hikaleo for this one. Uh, challenges when you're doing a third high profile match against the same opponent now in the biggest stage of all. Uh, it, what kind of work do you do to try to make sure that each match is a little bit different from one another? And especially what, what's neat about these two tag teams are Yoshihashi and Goto are two very different wrestlers, just as a great tag team. Same thing with you guys, different styles, different sizes. Uh, you know, so uh, there are a lot that brings with it a lot of variables you can work with. But of course you want to make this one, you want to keep upping the ante each time. Uh, we'll talk about the challenges as far as just making your matches interesting and unique each time out. I think we just go back and, and watch the last two matches we had together from Korokin and Kumamoto. You go back and study it and see what some of the things we hit that was really, really good as tag teams or some of the things that we missed that we should have hit. Um, like I know we're definitely planning on me going on top rope again, doing something special with that or, you know, or not. We plan, you basically just study film and see the different 
where they adjusted for the last match and how we could adjust it better. And I think at Wrestle Kingdom, it's just the atmosphere is going to be to another level as well. It's going to be higher than it was at Kumamoto, of course. And so you just got to bring a different type of energy and the type of training style we do now in these two weeks that we have off to get ready for uh, Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be a lot more rested for Wrestle Kingdom than we were for the finals. But, you know, we know we we can beat them. They know they can beat us. Uh, and I think you know, with that atmosphere, like, I don't think a lot of the Western fans realize how like how over we are in Japan right now to the West or to the Japanese audience. Like yeah. they, they can't keep our towels stocked and our like the blue gorillas of destiny shirts are like always like one of the top sellers at each show. Uh, we have, like, we have a, a crazy connection with the fans right now that I think, uh, you know, on paper, maybe people aren't very excited for it on the Western side, but I think the Japanese people are, are stoked for it. You know, Bishamon's the best tag team in new Japan right now. We're the fastest rising tag team in new Japan right now. I think throughout tag league war dogs got elevated. TMDK got elevated. Uh, tai Chi and Yuya looked great out there. Monster sauce did great. You know, there's a lot of these tag teams that are now kind of all at the same level and we're all chomping at Bishamon's uh, uh, feet. And, you know, Maybe it's not the the story that I would have wanted or the path we would have wanted to Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, they chose us for the title versus title winner take all, which kind of is like the most stakes you can do at the biggest show of the year. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about it, but, you know, I think it's going to be exciting. This past year, the fans really have taken to both of you. Of course, start of the year with Bullet Club, there was the whole skepticism with David Finlay, the Jay White turn, all that stuff, all that story that kind of led to it. But once all that triggered, I, each time there were hints that you guys might be on the way, either leaving Bullet Club or kicked out of Bullet Club, however it worked out, the fans were with you guys almost from the beginning. Did you did you sense that very early on that, oh, this is going to work maybe better than I thought it would? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. For me, I think it was simple just because I had my brothers already on this side, on the yeah. – on the babyface side, on the Hontai G.O.D. side. So I think it was, I knew my time was coming eventually to leave Jay's side. So it wasn't too much of a surprise, or maybe it was a surprise because it was a uh, loser leaves Japan match and there was all the news outlets about who was going over to WWE or not. And so I think, yeah, it, it, it was, I actually forgot what the question was. What was the <laughs> were, question? Were, were, you, were you surprised at how quickly the fans took to you, though, and just kind of connected with you on that level where it just seemed like early on they were just like, come on, Hikaleo, you're with us, right? You know, they, oh, yeah. They yeah, really yeah. seemed if to you, take to you. Yeah, if you remember that, I, it was a special moment, though, when um, in Kobe, when I switched over, I left Jay and went over to Tama and we did that big embrace. That, was, that caught me really off guard. Uh, we were just both in the ring and we hugged. And it was kind of like a, a relief, like Tama needed that. Like he had been beaten up, he had been betrayed all year, and finally have some good to have some brotherly love to have love finally, like family come over. I think that was a huge reaction from the fans. But I really didn't connect with the fans until I started teaming with ELP. Even when I came over to GOD, I still had that bullet club mindset. I just go into the ring, beat guys up, get the W and, and bounce. But it wasn't until when was it, October that we started teaming up that 
you really understand like, oh, let's give back to the fans. Let's embrace them for supporting us. Um, even after we had been, you know, in Bullet Club, being these bad guys, doing all the crappy shit that we did, it's now we embrace them and thank them for what the support they've given to us. How about you, ELP? Because you were one of those guys in Bullet Club where you a lot of the fans, and I, we would hear from here on the show, they were just like, man, I, I can't stand Bullet Club, but I like it. I like Fantasmal's matches. You know, like there was a lot of that. So when you switched and went over to their side, seems like they were, they were ready for it. Uh, did you sense that also? Yeah, it was brewing for a while. You know, it was me, Kenta, and Ishimori that were getting huge uh, fan favorite reactions every time we came out. And then, you know, chasing those guys wouldn't. But uh, I was like, hey, maybe, like, maybe we have something here. Like, you know, there, there's never been like a, a fan favorite babyface Bullet Club run. Why don't we Why don't we go with that? Everyone expects us just to be bad guys. But, you know, we're already so organically getting these reactions let's see what could happen and then uh the whole thing with finley happened and then they kicked me out i'm kind of glad that they did because then we could capitalize on uh these fan reactions but i remember it was cork and hall uh new japan cup against naito that uh i was like are you guys noticing this like there's more elp chance than there is naito chance <laughs> and that was when i was in uh in bullet club and i like got backstage i was like do you like do you guys notice like like I was more over than Naito tonight. And they're like, yeah. And then had the match with Tama that had Osaka rumbling and then got kicked out and had the match with Finley that had Osaka rumbling. And then the G1 match with Osprey and I wrestled Okada in, in like a country town in the G1. And there was more ELP chance than there was Okada chance, which I was like, Oh shit. Like shit's kind of popping off here. And then, uh, you know, when we finally like kind of like all embraced after the G1 and like started hanging out with G.O.D. And then when we won the tag titles at Rio Goku, I was like, God damn, man, these fans are like behind us. And my whole big thing was like wrestling throughout the pandemic was so difficult for us wrestling like in front of clap crowds. But like the fans had to pay money to come to these shows where they couldn't cheer. They couldn't boo. They had to clap like clapping fucking sucks for three hours. Like try clapping for 10 minutes. Like it's awful. Like these, they were clapping for three hours. You know, you couldn't drink. You couldn't sit beside your friends. I was like, man, the fans deserve more respect than we do. Like it sucks for us to wrestle, but it sucks for them to come in, like watch these shows that they can't react to. Like, why would you, why would you come? Like it fucking sucks. So then once we start, once we had like the, uh, the COVID restrictions lifted. I was like, Hey man, I'm gonna start fist bumping these kids and, you know, giving them hugs. And, you know, these guys deserve the respect from us just for sticking with us. And then, you know, I think they realized all the, uh, all the bullshit I went through during COVID of staying in Japan that whole time that they're kind of like, Hey, I, we appreciate what he did and, you know, kind of mutual and, you know, it all kind of happened organically. Jeremy, you have anything? Uh, I just wanted to say thank you guys for coming on to the show. Uh, we, you've been on for about 30 minutes, which is about what we planned for. Uh, really want to appreciate you guys. Do you have any plugs, any websites, any social media that you want to move forward on uh, before we let you go? If you want to see some behind-the-scenes stuff from all the tours, everything we do, uh, even Tokyo Dome should have some good stuff, check out my Patreon, patreon.com, backslash Hub. And yeah, all social medias are Hiku underscore Leo, H-I-K-U underscore L-E-O on all the social medias. 
What was that Patreon? I'm going to advertise it after you take off. Uh, uh, Patreon.com backslash Hiku's Hub, H-I-K-U-S-H-U-B. Just one word? Yep. Great. Cool. I ain't got nothing to plug. Go on his Patreon. I pop up on there. I know if you guys are uh, coming to Tokyo Dome, we're going to have a little get-together for everyone who's over in Tokyo, probably on like the 3rd or something, which will be cool for anyone uh, coming to Japan. But, yeah, thanks for supporting us, Russell Kingdom, January 4th. It's not guaranteed it's going to work on New Japan World, so you might as well buy some plane tickets and buy a ticket and come to the Tokyo Dome just so you can see it for I sure. I like it on but, Apple uh, TV, but it's a little spotty out Seamless transition. Seamless transition. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't need to get into that. That's a whole other can of apples, but... Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, that's the best. Uh, I, I would you on like the spot to finish with saying we'd love to have you back anytime. Thank you for coming on to the show, and best of luck to you moving forward. No problem. Thanks, boys. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. You too. Well, that was fun. That was very, very cool. You know, that that we talked about how the tag team division in New Japan is getting a bit of a reboot. You know, they had an idea with Aussie Open that didn't pan out because they ended up going to AEW. Uh, Bishamon, of course, one of the best teams in the world, but the rebuilding of the tag division with War Dogs, with TMDK, Hikaleo and El Fantasmo probably weren't on the, well, they absolutely weren't on the radar one year ago. They were still in Bullet Club and totally separate. But the bright spot that those two have become on the tag team side mm -hmm. and uh, as fan favorites, as really good workers, it's been uh, one of the better tag team stories of the year in a time when now we're looking toward a brighter tag team division in New Japan. They're a huge part of it, Jeremy. It was funny. It's literally a Cinderella story because they were the ones that were overlooked until they couldn't be overlooked anymore. And yeah. I kind of wanted to bring it up and ask, but I wanted to know if, uh, and I just, we ran out of time. I wanted to get them out of there. Yeah, I could have spent uh, an hour talking to them. They absolutely. Were they were great. Uh, they really opened up uh, fantastic stuff. But I wanted to know if Phantasmos, when he beat Kangalo at the G1, if that was his unofficial, like, initiation into gorillas of destiny mm -hmm. and then at the same time hikaleo having such a campaign uh during the g1 at the same time just kind of put them on a collision course for success with each other you know like they they're they were tracking upward their momentum at the same time so like they just continued it this whole time so all of that came together very late. Now, that was very last-minute stuff right there. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in early and catching that. Make sure you do the whole like and subscribe thing. It really does help the show an awful lot. If you're listening on the podcast, please uh, rate us, give us a review and all that. wanted to say thank you. Now it's time we can start a regular show now. Well, we had That fell right into our laps. We're like, oh, absolutely, we're doing this, even if we have to go on a little earlier than we had intended. So thrilled that we got a chance to talk to El Fantasmo and Hikaleo. Of course, they'll be going up against Bishamon, title versus title on January 4th. But uh, yeah, kind of on a little bit of a high after that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so. If you like that content, please subscribe to our channel. Click likes, subscribe, comments, the whole deal. Uh, didn't want to do that whole plug while they were there, but you know, sometimes you kind of have to pick and choose your moments. But please, if you enjoyed all that, please uh, spread it far and wide, the interview that we just did and our channel and our show. Thank you so much.
So let's take a look at some of the things. Uh, Brad and uh, Sam from Power Bombshells. Uh, we're, we're glad both of you are here. Glad to see you. Uh, it's, uh, I believe, Corinne or Corrine. My, my, my little sister. I think it's Corinne. It, okay. My, my little sister has, spells it the same way, pronounce it Corrine. So I always try to ask people. Uh, Corinne. Uh, I was going Corinne, but I apologize if I got it wrong. Could very well be right. And uh, just wanted to say, uh, and Sierran, RH is here too, uh, who said that, uh, do you think NJPW are testing Luke Jacobs in Rev Pro now? Yeah, sure as hell do. With, with the people they're putting have. him in the ring with. Probably should have asked that question, but we uh, we got a little caught up. In yeah, well, a lot of yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I think they are, don't you think? Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot to talk about this week. In addition to just having uh, Fantasmo and Hikaleo here, so really good Cork and Hall show today. We're going to talk about that. The uh, I have a confession to tell you. It was so busy. I saw one match on that show. Oh, wow. And it's okay. not the match I wish I got a chance to watch. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll get to it. Uh, there is the uh, Concurso Body Contest is coming up. Yes, so, hey, a little, got, little New, Japan I, New Japan eye, can, uh, eye candy for everybody. And uh, new names coming up for the Battle in the Valley San Jose show. And uh, just uh, plenty more to talk about regarding New Japan wrestlers on uh, showing up at NOAA, being booked for NOAA at that, that New Year's show uh, on January 2nd for NOAA should be fantastic. Uh, Dream Queendom. Also wanted to mention before we get into the nuts and bolts here on the Cork and Hall show, next week we have a very special two-part Wrestle Kingdom preview. So we're going to be on both Thursday on our regular time and then also Friday at the same time. Uh, and we have uh, two very special guests for that as well. Scott Edwards will be joining us on uh, Thursday, correct, Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah, and he's going to be here. He's going to help us out with Dream Queendom. He's, we're going to talk Noah. We're going to talk Wrestle Kingdom. And then Chris Samsa is going to be on Friday, and he's going to uh, break down the Wrestle Kingdom card with us as well. So I, it's the biggest show of the year. We're treating it as such with a very special two-part preview. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, too. This has just been a great couple of weeks. I am, it went from, oh, let's do a little bit of programming for Wrestle Kingdom, see what ends up happening, and we'll just kind of work it out, to all of a sudden, just Wrestle Kingdom programming here and there. Uh, I actually collaborated with the uh, We Work Stiff podcast for the first time, right. and they have a little bit of a Wrestle Kingdom preview that they're working on that I gave a couple thoughts about a match here or there, and uh that might end up in some of their programming, but I have nothing but nice things to say about my experience working with them and keeping it strong style. has got a lot of programming. It's just, it's just one of those things that, uh, Hey man, we're here for it. This is the big time. There's the G one and there's wrestle kingdom. Yeah. And, uh, if this is the attention and this is the time that the people are paying attention, well, I'm here to help. There you go. So, uh, should we start with this Corican hall show, Jeremy? What do you think? Uh, I will take your lead on this one, my man. So you only you because of the, everything that's been going on, you only got a chance to watch one match from the show today. You said, yeah. So trying to get to the two main events, or the semi-main and the main, and I got to one of them on my lunch break this morning. Spoiler: uh, I usually work on Thursdays, and so trying to make sure I, I find the time is a little difficult with some of these Thursday mornings. Uh, and then we pushed up the show forty-five minutes or so. Uh, from we planned and that window was gonna be the main event of the show so i saw the uh king of pro wrestling match okay and, and you're gonna walk me through the rest and i legitimately don't know what happened okay well we want to start with the main events right sure so the main event of this show the final match was the never open weight six-man title match <clears throat> 
Kazushi Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii against United Empire. This match was, uh, again, Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, and Hanare for the record. This match went 33 minutes and 31 seconds. It was superb. Oh, I knew it would be. <laughs> Just a brilliant match. Uh, Jeff Cobb worked on a sprained ankle, we found out from Chris Charlton, who was uh, live at ringside. Uh, right, li- right. Uh, no, excuse me, with uh, English commentary. He was there. Walker Stewart, now, Walker Stewart was yeah. on uh, play-by-play live there at Corican Hall. So uh, he is in Japan and uh, just got in, I, I believe, last night. Uh, but Cobb worked on a sprained ankle, showed very little effect from it. So he just powered through that from what he was saying. Uh, he must have wrapped it up pretty tight there because it uh, really didn't show it. Incredible story here. All year long, there's been a rivalry between Ishii and Hanare, and Hanare has gotten the best of it most of the time this year, whether it's in uh, various tournaments and, and whatever clashes they're having. It seems like Hanare has gotten the best of it. That was the story they told in this match. Certainly, Okada and Tanahashi were part of it, but once it came down to it, after the, the big moves started to get hit, when we started getting toward the finish, they isolated Ishii and Hanare. The others would pass in and out of the ring, you know, slide in, break up a tag. Then a couple of things would happen and get thrown back out. Uh, there were a couple of those uh, sequences where everybody knocks each successive person down until everybody's down. Great stuff. And we had a really hot crowd in Corican Hall today, uh, well over 1,400. There were people up in the crow's nest in the balcony standing room. Uh, and and the, the crowd was ready for everything. The wrestlers were energized. This was a good show overall. And it sounded like a pre-pandemic crowd by the end of this one. Because it just came down to Ishii and Hanare with beautiful timing, hitting key moves against each other. And in the end, Ishii did manage to get the brain buster in. But go back and watch. If you can't watch the entire half-hour match, watch 15 minutes of it. Once you see the last half of it, it's just incredibly great stuff with six excellent, excellent workers. Uh, The build-up, the back-and-forth, Jeremy, it just didn't get a whole lot better. Uh, As soon as you have time, make time in your schedule to watch this one. I kind of felt that it was going to be a retention just with Okada and Tanahashi both in. Yeah. The only guy that could lose was Ishii, right? Yeah. The only guy that could have lost was Ishii because the but other two were then, just, it just it yeah. seemed like putting any of them on the losing side going into Wrestle Kingdom just seemed like optics that you want to avoid. So I am tremendously pleased, tremendously pleased to hear that this was a banger. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Brad mentioned Hanari was awesome. Okan, Tana, Ishii are the uh, Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii are the greatest six-man team ever. Uh, they, you might be able to convince me of that before too much longer there. They are, they are really outstanding together. They've dropped the whole idea of Ishii and Tanahashi not getting along. These guys are all on the same page. Uh, Storyline-wise, they're working together great. And, yeah, Hanari was fabulous in this one. And really, everybody was. And uh, I think they mostly protected Cobb pretty well. You know, again, if he's injured, then uh, then they were very smart about that. And uh, just a, a hell of a good wrestling match. So that was I keep, the... Uh, I keep it. saying it, but we are slowly getting to the end of the C-block shenanigans for G1. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So before we got, we got that, one we, more match. We got, we got Shingo and Tama to, to, to shut it down. <laughs> there it is. Before that, we had the King of Pro Wrestling 
match. This is the final KOPW match before the end of the year. So again, after this one, whoever won this match would be the 2023 King of Pro Wrestling. Their name would be etched on the belt, and then it goes back in the pot after that. It's uh, it's up in the uh, the Rambo, I believe is how they're doing it again in the pre-show. So for Wrestle Kingdom. So again, we start over again uh, at, at Wrestle Kingdom. So this I have is a question Taito. for you before you get started on the, your description of this match. Fire away. When you saw the time length on the on the show, because it goes like it'll tell you how long a match is. Yes. What was your reaction? You know what? I didn't notice it when I you, because you, I, I watched the show in order and it, it just moves from one video to the next, and I didn't see the counter to know it, how long it was. It had that. It had it at fifty minutes. Fifty minutes for this one, but I, the match was I, not. I set my phone on the on my car dash, and I watched it on my phone. I'm watching this match, and I just <laughs> like, what the hell? Fifty minutes, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what on earth is going? It wasn't on? that long. There was just an immense amount of cleanup after that all stayed within the same video. But those uh, those time cues are not necessarily truthful. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a reason for that, and that was because there was a, there were a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors in this one as well. Of course, you had two really good workers, Taichi and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. And this is the culmination of a long story where Taichi has just been trying to get his hands on Uncle Nobu since the big turn where he joined House of Torture. And so this was a whiskey bottle ladder match. They took a, a transparent bag, like the kind that you have to bring into stadiums now, <laughs> and hung it up. Uh, over the ring with a bottle of Suntory whiskey in it. And uh, the first person that gets it is the only person legal to use it. The only person that can use it legally, I should say. Uh, the match before the bottle came into play was nothing particularly special. Uh, but eventually, Kanemaru did get the bottle, and he used it mostly to spit whiskey in Taichi's face in mm -hmm. key moments. So mm -hmm. uh, he just kept blinding him and blinding him. Taichi ended up making a rally. At that moment, the lights went out, kind of. Right now, they have emergency lighting in Corican Hall that is such that it pretty much just was glowing in there instead of just being dark. Uh, so uh, House of Torture attacked, of course. That was what was uh, the setup for that. And we knew the match wasn't going to end before that happened. So all of House of Torture came out for this one, and even Narita. They all had giant bottles of Suntory, or what's billed to be Suntory. Uh, they poured them all into a bucket, and then stuffed Taichi ostensibly his face into a bucket of whiskey, which, you know, that's uh, pretty hardcore stuff there. But uh, <laughs> so they stuffed Taichi's head in the whiskey. Just five guys finally came out and made the save, ran everybody else off. That left Kanemaru and Taichi alone. And then you know what happens when it's actually one-on-one. -on -one. The baby face has the upper hand there. Taichi rallied. There was good back and forth. Uh, he, <laughs> Kanemaru... Picked up the bucket, had to do it twice because the timing wasn't right the first time, so they had to kind of redo the spot. Picked up the bucket the second time. Taichi kicked it like he's kicking a like he's punting a football. Kicked the whiskey up into Uncle Nobu's face, and that led to uh, a couple of big moves, including the Black Mephisto, and he got the the uh, three count that way. And so, 25 minutes, 24 seconds. Uh, Taichi gets his revenge on Kanemaru. He is the king of pro wrestling for 2023. We move on from there, and they actually had to change the mat because by kicking the whiskey into Uncle Nobu's face, they absolutely soaked the mat before some of the key people for Wrestle Kingdom were about to go into the ring. And so they thought, you know what? Rather than having these guys slipping and sliding around uh, with their uh, ligaments and tendons, how about 
we just changed the mat out altogether. They tried to dry it in vain. That wasn't going to happen. And so the, that long delay between the semifinal and the final there was so that the Young Lions could change out the mat. So if you ever wanted to get a look at that. I think uh, Yuta Nakashima got a standing ovation at the end of all of it. <laughs> he was working hard. They all were. He was working hard. Yeah. Uh, this match exceeded my expectations. Uh, my expectations weren't really that high, but it exceeded it. Uh, they got the bottle early, and a lot of these times when you have the ladder match in the bottle, it's the climax is grabbing the bottle. But it was simply just a weapon in the match. It wasn't you didn't retrieve it to win the match, so uh, mm. it it made the layout of the match a little bit more interesting to me. This was also like the spiritual successor to the Suzuki Gun retirement from a year before. You know, like, uh, that was the second to last show before Wrestle Kingdom at the end of the year last year, just like this one was. And in a lot of ways, it was tying up a lot of loose ends about where everyone was going to go and what they were going to do after Kazuki Gun disbanded and this kind of kind of put the final touches on it. Yeah. A couple of notes here. Brad says, some people pay good money to get spit on as much as Taichi did. Well, you know, hey, we're not here to yeah. nay anyone's yay. We are not here to nay anyone's yay. Uh, but uh, that's Shame probably here. True. Dunstan's here. Good to see you, Dunstan. He says, hello, guys, with the strong belt seemingly going away. Uh, yeah, it does look like it, doesn't it? Uh, do you think New Japan should do that with the KOPW and never title and merge them into one? I am going to say no in this case because I do think they accomplish different missions. I think the never open weight title is, when it's at its best, is kind of the the, you know, the bruisers title when it's, you know, like the, the tough guys, the, the, the Shingo Takagi title, the Ishii title, it has been in the past. Uh, and I think King of Pro Wrestling, the KOPW thing just gives a little room for these bits of creativity with the stipulations and doing something a little bit different. And I, so with doing something different, the creativity, the different types of matches, I think it is just a way to keep a little bit of variety in the mix and also to have another title that can either be a, a legit semifinal or sometimes a, a main event of a show when the build is right. And I think they want options. So that now the addition of the global title, where the global title fits in with the never title, that I'm curious to see play out. We had a conversation, uh, Josh and I, uh, we were stiff, where – they kind of talked about the global title being the title uh, that New Japan takes outward into the world and challenging on like a, a world level, but you go to New Japan to challenge for the IWGP, which I like that distinction in yeah. a lot of ways. It gives the legacy and caliber moving forward. Um, with Dunstan's question, okay, it was up there for a while. It's fine. The strong belt's going away. Uh, I don't think the strong belts are going away. Where is it said that they're disappearing? Like well, the one's going into the it, the one's win. going into the triple crown, and then they're going to make a, basically a double tag team title. But they're so, going to be holding uh, both belts, and mm. they're going to have three titles. With, they're going to be carrying around three titles. It, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily sure that the Ring of Honor title and the uh, Strong title are disappearing. I think he, they're going to be walking around to three titles, and then each of those guys, are, the tag winners, are walking around with two titles. That's the impression that I get until they officially announce they're merging because it's because they never actually said any of these titles are merging. 
No, it, it's just that I, I do think they're going to be kind of, I mean, the, the triple crown thing, they're not, they're going to go away for a while. I don't think we're going to see them as separate entities for a while. Flaming Shark mentions I'm about to go see Iron Claw. I'm seeing it this weekend. I can't wait. Oh. So I, I'm not about to, I'm not going to be able to stick around for the whole show, but yeah, this match was really amusing. And then he also mentions that the King of Pro Wrestling is basically a gimmick match title just to mix things up a bit more since New Japan traditionally didn't do this stuff much and wanted to test the waters a bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it does add over, it does something different so i don't think they're going to merge those two dunston mentions the new japan bushi road backtrack after a new belt is established that's an important point this is where i'm curious to see what happens with this global title because it's one thing to say that but keep in mind a year ago we were saying that the tv title was going to be for young wrestlers and you know for up-and-comers and it's been zach saber jr the entire time he's never lost it he's it hasn't been something that they've used a whole lot of the new guys with. Most of his challengers have been uh, veterans and, and people from other companies and all that. So uh, let alone what has happened with the IWGP women's title and all that stuff, which none of which has happened the way they said it would when they created the belt. So it's a fair point to see what they actually do with the global title compared to what they say mm -hmm. they're going to do with the global title because they don't tend to follow their own paths they tend to change their minds on that so the rules do change over and over and over again <laughs> and yeah flaming shark i'm heading to watch that i'm excited i am excited about this movie i know it's not I've a documentary yeah i know did you like it i liked it a lot yeah it's not it's a rewatchable it's sad but it's also yeah. entertaining it's not you have to you have to set aside the, some of the yeah you have to set aside some of the inaccuracies but i hear that they get the emotion of it uh down very well I I walked in, I walked out of that movie, and the moments I was supposed to cringe, I cringed. And the moments I was supposed to smile, I smiled. And the story it told was sound. And if you've never seen any wrestling and you're walking into it, you're going to walk out thinking, wow, that was a really good movie. If you know the Von Erich story, you're going to be like, wow, that was a good movie. Okay, that's, oh, I mean, that's all I can ask, right? That's that's really it. I was trying to figure out a way to weave that in because the Von Erichs always worked for all Japan. They really didn't have a New Japan presence there. But uh, I did want to uh, acknowledge that there was a a pretty good movie coming out about wrestling there. So, okay, so moving on from this one, we had uh, this was the preview here of the world title match for sure, and a little more of the butting of the heads between Yuya Uemura and Yota Suji. It was just five guys, Sonata, Uemura, and Doki against LIJ, which was Naito, Suji, and Bushi. Strong night for just five guys in this one. Uh, Naito actually ended up taking a shot in the eye, I believe, from either Doki or Uemura there. And uh, he was cut by his uh, eye. It looks like his right eye there. It didn't look like it was swelling at this point. We'll have to see what he looks like at the show tomorrow right there. But he took a bit of a shot in the eye, which is considering he just had eye surgery and all, I mean, it's not what we wanted to see, but uh, it didn't seem to be too damaged there. There was a deadbolt suplex to win by Uemura on Bushi, so he did not pin Suji, which he said was his mission before the end of the year. Uh, also, Sonata wrapped Naito up in the Paradise Lock and left him there the remainder of the match, including during the pin and then after. Uh, Yoda Suji had to kind of push his way through just five guys to free Naito from the Paradise Lock. More stare downs with Uemura and Suji. So this just really felt like uh, another little side chapter on the way to the dome and on the way somewhere with Uemura and Suji. Just a little bit of an appetizer. I think we'll get more tomorrow. 
Yeah, I, uh, I look forward to commenting somewhere, some way about these uh, shows that people are going to forget about next week by the time I get to it. So <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> We also had, uh, there it is, uh, El Desperado and uh, Satoshi Kojima against Shingo Takagi and Hiromu Takahashi. Terrific match here. Kojima was really good in this. <laughs> he always is, but he was having a particularly good day. This was just a little taste. They didn't do too much with Desperado and Hiromu. They don't need to. We already know these are two of the best junior heavyweights on earth. They're going to have their, their big one-on-one -on -one Wrestle Kingdom match at last on January 4th. Doesn't need a whole lot of build, so don't do too much. In this one, it was mostly Kojima. There was a pumping bomber finish by uh, him on uh, Kojima, uh, Shingo. And it was just a really good match. Seven minutes, 43 seconds, but the crowd was hot for this. And I keep mentioning them, but they were really uh, they were really excited about this show. Uh, it just had all the right energy. And like I said, by the end of the by the main event, it sounded like a pre-pandemic crowd. They were yelling and screaming instead of clapping. And uh, it started early, and uh, you know, Kojima just a strong showing here. But it's all about Hiromu and Despe on the fourth. We don't need a whole lot else, so I'm, I'm glad so they just took it easy. for that match. I'm so excited for that match. Like yeah. of all the matches, of just like the. New Japan card that is not like a special attraction match, or you know, you're bringing in somebody from outside to, to spice this thing up. You know, like this is the match Desperado versus Hiromu that I am just circling. I'm like, I don't know if everyone else is here for it, but that's the one I just cannot wait for. And then Dunstan has a couple of comments here I want to get to. He says, Suji versus Yuya needs to happen at the Dome. I totally agree. Yeah. We only have eight matches uh, so far for the Dome. I think I, I, Narita versus Shota is not official for the Dome at all. I mean, it's not listed as being on the Dome. I... But they're not listed in any other matches either. So I got to feel like that's going to happen. And then Suji and Yuya, he says, need to happen at the Dome. I would love to see that in some form as well. Or, or at least at New Year's Dash, they need to get to that pretty soon. I'm kind of itching for it as well. We need to pivot to something real quick, and that's the Noah show that happened uh, today, where well, Evil or yeah. the other day, where Evil showed up. Well, and, we're going to get to that in the next match. Right. So let's just put these images up here and just have them there and just let that simmer in your brain, and now we'll go back to our previously scheduled program. So, uh, and then Dunstan also wanted to ask, do you think Tamatanga feels out of place in New Japan? Well, he has a singles match for the Never Openway title at Wrestle Kingdom, so I don't know if he feels out of place. If he isn't in the, say he loses to Shingo Takagi for that Never Openway title, it is, it will be interesting to see where he fits in after that, after having his run at the Never Openway title back and forth with Shingo, what happens to him after that. But do I think he feels out of place? I don't if he's in kind of a featured match at the biggest show of the year. Uh, so it is a, a fair question to ask what happens to him after that, though. Yeah, I I am looking at all this, and I just I have my thoughts about what Evil and Ren might be having going on, and I kind of think Kiyomiya and Oiwa and Shota and a sixth man. Uh, at the bottom of the card may end up being what what we're heading towards, and they they are going to hold off on Ren versus Shota uh, for a little while longer. Yeah, it could kind be. Of what I think, I'm feeling. I think they're going to make contact at the dome somehow, just because th there's no way they're going to have this card without Umino and Narita on it. It's just a matter of where it fits in, right? Yes. Yeah. So, 
It just we got. I, it just it, at the bottom of the card is not where this should happen. It is Wrestle Kingdom, right? But it's yeah. it's just it feels like you're not gonna get everything that you want out of it. Like the Will versus Show to match a power struggle at the bottom of the Wrestle Kingdom card because that's where a Shota versus Red match is gonna be. And I'm I will be happy if it happens there. But it will not ultimately be what I want to see out of them from the get-go. I just want a bigger platform. Now, New Japan Booker Ghetto is big on long-term stories. It's very possible he has something in mind for Shota and Ren for Wrestle Kingdom 19, and it's just not time to put the to, to do Chapter One quite yet in that way as far as a singles match. So there are options here. But let's talk about this next one because a couple of things we've their way into it. First of all, House of Torture showed up at a Noah show and attacked Kiyomiya and Oiwa, right? Mm-hmm. So what that brought to us was Evil Ren Narita and Sho facing Shota Umino, Tomoki Honma, and Master Wato in Korokan Hall today. It went eight minutes and 35 seconds. It was fine. There was a lot of steam on Shota and Ren, of course. That's really what the crowd wanted to see. Uh, Narita hit Honma with a push-up bar that was given to him by Shibata. This was a point that uh, Chris Charlton made, that Shibata had given them this push-up bar, and Narita brought it into the ring and cracked Honma with it to, to get the win. There was a post-match beatdown, of course, Bullet Club being Bullet Club, uh, but in the middle of that beatdown, Oiwa and Kiyomiya, who were not on the card, ran in and made the save. And then Kiyomiya and Shota Umino shook hands after. And that leads to your theory that what we're going to see is a six-man at Wrestle Kingdom to get those guys on the card. So we have Shota forming at least an, un, uh, an alliance a little bit with Kiyomiya and Oiwa. You've got House of Torture irritating everybody. And uh, that is a way to get uh, th those six guys on the Wrestle Kingdom show. Again, nothing has been formally announced, we're supposing here, but that seems to be what the tea leaves are telling us. Yeah, we, we have eight. We could get to 12. And uh, Evil is one of those guys that's not on the card. And it's just like, as much as a lot of people can be like, eh, it's fine, it's Evil. It's like, it's not. Like, Evil has been a huge part of all of New Japan this entire year. And him not being on the Wrestle Kingdom card would seem like, uh, a huge omission. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I, I got another question for you before we move sure. on here, Jeremy, because we have time. Yeah. I have just this uh, little pie in the sky. This could be fan fiction as much as anything else. You know I love me some presupposing uh, scenarios. <laughs> Is the true evil genius behind all of this, behind David Finlay, behind maybe even Ghetto? Is the true Kaiser Soze of New Japan, Katsuyori Shibata? Everybody as much he as has, I would love that to be the case, no, Stephen. Everybody he has trained has turned bad. Clark he's Connors. just a terrible. He's a terrible coach who is completely Alex oblivious Connor, to the shadow. Gabriel Kidd, the shadow cabal at the LA. Ren Narita. <laughs> everybody he touches. I wanted to just, ask Tikaleo about that, but it just seemed a little too inside. <laughs> I'm like you spent some time at the LA Dojo. What is what was Shibata doing over there that everybody turned a bullet club while you like yeah, yeah. you leave bullet club and all of a sudden the flip switches and everyone's like, oh, I want to be part of bullet club now. What's going on with that? <laughs> That's the second time I've heard that this week. The flip switches instead of the switch flips. 
That- Vic Jones, you know, the guy on uh, the, who's the god awful announcer on uh, NXT that uh, well Booker T, but he's he's I don't awful. Know, but I didn't watch I mean, NXT this week, so he did a complete coincidence. The, the the flip has switched. I keep that, that's that's starting to get that's starting to get contagious. Um, what else we got here from the gang? Flaming Shark. We want to get his uh, in because he has to go. Uh, maybe Ren and Shota happens fairly deep in the New Japan Cup. Yeah, could be. Not everything has to be at the Dome right now. Even it often feels like it should. Yeah. Well, what we're supposing is even if they did face each other at the Dome, we're a long way from anything resembling a blowoff. And then, you know, it would be chapter one of that feud, even if they did do it one-on-one. But this uh, makes a lot of sense. And he also says Evil was literally the most recent challenger for the World Heavyweight Championship, whether we like it or not. So, yeah, he should be involved in something. He I will kind be. of think he's going to be the guy challenging Naito after all said and done. Because he is the guy. He beat Naito yeah. uh, for the title the last time around. And so you just throw him in there, and it's one of those easy feuds that you can do right after Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, I forgot about Got this. Him. Flaming Shark. Kenta as well for Shibata in a way, although they fought each other after that. But remember, he's the guy that brought Kenta into the New Japan before he joined Bullet Club. I'm well, telling you, the guy it's Kaiser Soze. Kaiser Soze. Shibata is in Japan right now, uh, I believe, because he... Everybody uh, is. Con- he, had, there. He, had Asuka, a, he had some Yostra. beef issues that he had to get settled. So, mm. uh, it's a new day in New Japan, but I don't think we see shabbat anywhere <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's uh yeah and then uh flaming shark just says him being the mastermind would be hilarious yeah it, it is just kind of funny that everybody he touches is, is i think i think the only person that should be a mastermind is master Wado. everybody's um, underestimated this uh this young plucky baby face and it turns out he's just the most vicious guy around <laughs> it'd be a difficult one to pull off for him i think i love that guy I, I think he's i think they're setting him up for the winner of Hiromu and desperado in some point. oh what makes you think that well just because he's <laughs> winning everything right now but uh or and not getting beat maybe most importantly it does uh, seem thing, like it's time to shine for other people than Hiromu in that division did you see that uh everyone's back in japan i, I just noticed like asuka had well, i had a picture with shuri in uh, tokyo i believe or, or osaka and uh and then who was it uh Io Shirai was there with uh Io Sky was with Mayu Iwatani and Rossi Ogawa. Uh the um, the entire WWE roster is on vacation from Tuesday yeah. to December 31st. All right, Flaming Shark you have to go see the movie. Enjoy it, Shark. Uh, out, Flaming Shark. Next week uh, come tell us what you thought. Yeah, uh I think they have a couple of house shows on the 26th and the 30th, one in New York and one in LA. But other than that, they're free and clear to go spend time with the loved ones and uh you know, say what you will about some of the business practices for WWE, but at least they're making time for the families. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, you know, it's funny that Asuka, you know, with Shuri and things, it's uh Asuka hasn't worked for stardom. That's the one person that uh mm-hmm. they're all dream matches when it comes to her. We haven't we haven't seen any of that in in a, in a way. So um, let's see what else we got here before that one. We had uh, mentioned the house of torture. Yes. Oh, yeah. TJP and Francesco Kira. We got catch 2 2 back after a while. They teamed with Callum Newman and defeated the Bullet Club of Clark Connors, Drill Maloney, and Ghetto. Now, I don't have you heard what happened in this one at all, Jeremy? No. Oh, wait till you hear this. Oh, I can't wait. Wait till you hear this. So Maloney and Connors came out with a coffin on a little rolling cart. And they just said, we're going to bury you in a coffin. We're going to, you know, we're, we're killing you. We're destroying you if we're good. The match was a good preview. I mean, look, the six of these guys know what they're doing. It's fine. Yeah, Newman is starting to really mesh with some of the New Japan styles there. This was a good preview. It led the double knees, the Nini uh, on uh, Ghetto got the uh, victory. 
for TJP and Akira. Afterwards, there was a beatdown, being the War Dogs, of course. And then after TJP and Akira kind of took their beat down, as the Bullet Club guys were leaving, TJP got on the microphone and said, oh, you guys want to start bringing out this coffin thing. I'll tell you what, how about this? Instead of having two singles matches tomorrow on Corican Hall, catch 2-2 versus the War Dogs in a coffin match. So for the first time, Jeremy, we are going to have a coffin match on a, a non-title coffin match. Show. Non-title coffin match at Corican Prior Hall. Prior to their yeah. title match at Wrestle Kingdom. That was the angle today. I call shenanigans and I call bullshit with that match tomorrow. Something's happening. Something <laughs> is happening. There's going to be an angle. There is going to be some type of injury presumption. There will be something. This is madness. <laughs> New Japan doesn't do this. <laughs> Dunson said the problem with Hiromu and the junior division is that outside of Despe, no one else can carry the division and be the top guy. I disagree. I think okay. that they have been comfortable with Hiromu leading the division, and so they have been inclined to change, and everything needs to change. There is a time and a place where the top guy needs to move aside and they need to create new people. It is not that anyone can. It is that they just got comfortable with Hiromu. And, and Hiromu is the best junior heavyweight in the world, Absolutely. to be fair. So the thing is with Hiromu, I, I've said he's the closest thing they've had to Liger since Liger. And in that he can be the champion or he can be the number one contender. He can go and do other things because you can always plug him back into the title picture and it will always make sense. You don't have to build Hiromu into a contender. So he can lose that title and make someone and then go on to do other things. And whenever you're ready, whenever you think you need to, you can bring him back into the title picture and everyone will always take him seriously as the top guy. You can just plug him back in and it's a big title match. Hiromu challenging for the title whenever you need to. So it's okay for him to hold that title, move away from that title, hold it, move away. Uh, almost similar to the way they've done it with Okada in the heavyweight division where you can always slide him back in and you know that he at, at this stage he can make people. I think he's going to make Desperado, although we already know Desperado's on that level. But I think that it's going to be the you know I, I do think that whoever comes out of that match, you go on to Master Wado, that type of thing. But Hiromu is a guy that is always going to be one of the top people in that division, so he doesn't have to lead it. And I do think it's time for them to create some new champions at that level and i think they can do it this year let me ask you a hypothetical if we think that hiromu needs to not be around division in order to let someone else be successful he's not gonna be a heavyweight jeremy no not a heavyweight do you think that the global championship could be something that he would have because that's not necessarily a a heavyweight title either it's just a global but maybe it is a heavyweight championship actually I was just wondering if that was a title that they could pivot onto him and have him carry that title, which is not the IWGP title, but a match between him and Will Ospreay for that title would. And that could be a guy that Will could put the belt on if he if he does retain, if he's not going to immediately make one of the younger guys. Now, Dunstan is on to it, exactly what I was just about to suggest. We do have a belt that is not weight specific that's never open weight title Hiromu is one of the only people who has uh gone over in one-on-one matches heavyweights 
It happens sometimes. But junior heavyweights generally don't beat heavies in New Japan, but Hiromu has a few times in New Japan Cup action, other places. I think he could be a guy that could move on from the junior heavyweight for a little while and go after the never open weight title. And I know that right now, you know, Shingo has it. They're both in LIJ. It doesn't have to be immediately, uh, you know, but down the road, I think that's one way to let someone else lead the division and have Hiromu in a prominent position. He could be a, one of the, the first junior to hold the never open weight title and be a legit threat to, against any heavyweight. And I think that might be a way to use Hiromu outside of the junior heavyweight title picture. Never open weight works. It definitely, he definitely needs to be outside of, of the junior heavyweight division, at least for a while. Uh, maybe challenge Desperado again sometime in the few months after. But, you know, I, I kind of want to see something like Desperado versus Naito in a champion versus champion match, something fresh like that. Those are the kind of things that I'm looking for. And, you know, as much as uh, we've, we've seen a Naito versus Hiroba match here or there in the past, if we're doing champion versus champion, that's not exactly uh, exciting to me come March. But also, like, it's Sonata versus Hiromu exciting. It's Sonata versus Desperado exciting. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think of what's the best direction there. And I just, the more I think about junior heavyweight division, I I'm, I love Hiromu, but I'm not as excited for Hiromu to continue to be the champion. You know, I don't, I don't know. You don't, you don't think if Naito wins, you know, Hiromu versus Naito at the anniversary show isn't exciting. I, I feel like it's, we need to be looking more to the future and fresh matchups rather than going back to some of these that they, I feel like they've done and teased. And I think they've done Naito and Hiromu before uh, in one of the, at one of the shows when Naito had the title. So well, if yeah. they haven't, then they should do that. But well, I mean, I, I think there's a decent chance it's Naito versus Desperado at the anniversary show too. So, which is, which would just be a hell of a good match, which is really what you want. Uh, okay, after that, we had TMDK. That's Zack Sabre Jr. and Kosei Fujita. I'll tell you what, Jeremy, for a guy who's on excursion, Fujita's in Japan an awful lot, yes. <laughs> which, I'm not, yes. which I'm not complaining about. He's, a, he's an excellent wrestler, but this is not much of an excursion. It's less of an excursion than Oiwa. I mean, every once in a while, he wrestles somewhere else. But other than that, he's been in Japan most of this time. Facing Yudo Nakashima and Oscar Loibe, uh, this one went uh, 10 minutes, 22 seconds. Of course, uh, Zach got a hold on Loibe. Referee stopped it because uh, he basically he couldn't tap. He was, it was his arms, legs, everything. Uh, well, his arms, at least, and head were mobilized. Uh, Loibe and Nakashima are really good. And this match was terrific. Fujita is excellent. Zach is Zach. The vibe here was just four guys going very high speed, very quick, a lot of energy. And we know that Zach's one of the best wrestlers in the world. These three guys, Fujita, Loibe, and Nakashima, are a talented group of guys that are coming up through the ranks in New Japan. And when you watch, the more you watch these guys, the more excited you are about the future. My goodness, these guys are terrific. I am always getting excited for these guys. Them and Bolton... I just, there were times where you watch a young guy in match. Oh, yeah, right. You know, yeah. And right now is not is not that time. There, there's fire and energy, and the the new program that they've been instituting, the fast tracking, it seems to be working pretty well. Loibe can talk too, by the way. If you look at his backstage comments and things, there's not a whole lot that Oscar Loibe can't do. He's this guy is uh, a talented dude. 
if he fills out physically, you know, I, I think he's just going to be so fantastic. The first match, dark match, was the masked horse. That is, uh, he was abandoned by his parents, raised by horses, and uh, now in New Japan there, and uh, obviously trained and heavily influenced by Ryusuke Taguchi. His partner, the masked Bolton, we're still not sure who this is, uh, but oh. uh, he, he looked very powerful uh, and uh, very strong. Uh, very well-built young man. Uh, so uh, he he faced uh, Toriano and Tiger Mask, and uh, you know what can you say? There was this was actually fairly good. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and of course, you know, Bolton, Oleg there uh, with Yano did the whole thing where he, you know, gut wrenches him and then moves him uh, from one side to the other in a deadlift. And he did something like ten reps or something. I mean, this guy's the strength of this dude is amazing, and. More special treatment for Oleg compared to Young Lions uh, on the winning side against uh, two main roster guys. Key moment here, uh, Jeremy. Uh, before this match, they had a little ceremony for Osamu Kido and his passing. Right. And uh, Taguchi, pardon me, uh, masked horse, uh, managed to get uh, Tiger Mask in the Kido clutch, which was his uh, flash pin. Uh, move and uh, masked horse won the match with the keto clutch in a bit of a uh, testament, a tribute to uh, the uh, passing of uh, Osamu Kido uh, for the uh, finish of this one. Uh, yeah, it's funny when you're just like, it's funny, weird that you introduce like such extreme bullshit like <laughs> Ryusuke Taguchi and the masked horse, and then you're just like, sandwich you get with the uh, ceremony for yeah, yeah. but keto was uh taguchi's one of taguchi's trainers one of nakamura's trainers that that group of guys that I'm, went to okay. the dojo together and uh keto was one of the guys in the dojo that really trained those guys up nakamura has always called you have now explained his... it better where it doesn't sound quite so totally yeah. dissonant well it was in uh nakamura's book that the only guy who okay. showed up ready for the drills you have to go through was Taguchi. Taguchi was the only guy on day one that could do the 1,000 squats, uh, all this stuff. So he was, Taguchi was actually a little bit ahead of the rest of the guys in that class that included, I think, what, I don't know if Sounds Odo like how it, I live my life, Stephen, under promise and over deliver. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, that, that was the thing. So Taguchi was one of Keto's trainees, uh, along with Nakamura and, and, and others, too. Uh, he was at the dojo for quite a while, but uh, Taguchi, a little bit of a tribute there to his uh, right. to his teacher. So that was nice. Uh, Are we yeah. going to do a quick preview of tomorrow? I got the lineup for it, but. Uh... Yeah, let's go through tomorrow's show at Cork and Hall. Uh, and that, this is the final show before Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan. Now, there's there's a Noah show we're going to talk about a little bit, especially next week, that is uh, very New Japan, uh, very New Japan influence. But uh, we will see the main, uh, main event, Sonata, Taichi, and Uemura facing Naito, Shingo Takagi and Yoda Suji. So starting lineups in a six man for uh, these two groups uh, against one another. Final preview before the main event. Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Kosei Fujita and Zack Sabre Jr. Of course, Danielson not available to do previews. Uh, so Fujita is uh, stepping in there and we'll have Tana and Zack. Not the only time Tana and Zack are on opposite sides before the Dome. But uh, this will be, uh, I mean, what could go wrong in this match? These are four really good wrestlers there. So should be I good. just appreciate Fujita putting his hair back like Danielson, where we can kind of see the Danielson in him right now. 
By the way, during the match, Jeff Cobb did the yes, yes uh, in Okada's face there just to troll him, which I enjoyed. Oh, Jeff Cobb's a smart guy. Coffin yeah. match, coffin match. <laughs> coffin match between Catch 2-2 and the War Dogs. We'll see if there is uh, are any shenanigans ensue. We'll find out. There will be shenanigans. <laughs> there probably be shenanigans. And uh, we will have Desperado and Master Wato. So Desperado uh, facing Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi in a preview of the junior title match. Desperado, I, I, they really know how to get a guy to tune in. I actually, I do love me some Desperado. Yeah, I, I think I think Wado might get the fall on Bushi in this one, just to just to emphasize the idea that this guy's on the up on the up and coming uh, side of things. I was uh, I was doing a dive into one of the old Wrestle Kingdoms, and I think I saw Bushi, uh, young boying one of the matches, if not just on Naito's side. I think it was and, probably the uh, the maybe eight. I don't know. I don't remember. Yes, whatever one uh, we watched last week. When Naito was still Stardust Naito, uh, Bushi was uh, pre-Lij Naito. Uh, Bushi was in his corner too. They they were yeah. uh, allies before Lij. Yep, yep. Been around. You can also see Desperado, I think, in one of the, in some of those early Wrestle Kingdoms without his mask before his gimmick. Uh, I mentioned that here too. Bishamon will face Loy Bay and Nakashima, so that'll be a warm up, a tune tune up match for the World Tag Team Champs. Cool, 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 cool. Tomohiro Ishii and Callum <laughs> Newman. Callum Newman against Tomohiro Ishii. I don't know why this made me laugh, but he's gonna die. <laughs> It's an intriguing clash of styles for sure. So I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Ishii standing in the middle of the ring while Callum bounces off of him. Is Callum Hanari the young boy? That's an interesting question. <laughs> what else we have? I don't didn't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> what else we have? There? Uh, what else we got? Okay, oh, and there it is. Horse. Masked Horse and Masked Bolton against Yano and Yo this time. Uh, so instead of Tiger Mask, it's going to be Yo taking a shot. At uh, at Mast Bolton, so there you go, Mast Horse again, yeah. So uh, and a Mast Horse will be out on his out on his little toy horse that they roll out there, and he'll be giving away gifts to the crowd beforehand. So he yeah. can ride off into the sunset. Take your horse and ride with something it. Something for the kids. Uh, Dunstan says I have a feeling one of the matches at the dome will have an angle that'll lead into New Year's Dash. Yep, I think so too. Okay, so a little bit of news. I agree with you. Before we get review right of the uh wrestle kingdom show. we have some new names for battle in the valley in san jose in january correct yeah so who's got been this list me? here in the red we got now and now we got shota umino we got rocky romero we got tjp we got bad dude tito we got david finley we got gabe kid we got alex coughlin we got Fred Rosser, we got Tom Lawler, we got Jory Nelson, and we got Royce Isaacs. That's in addition to Julia, Eddie Kingston, Will Ospreay, Zach Saber Jr., Kazuchiko Okada, and Strong Style's favorite sons, Hikuleo. <laughs> there you have it. So uh, Battle in the Valley, we don't know any matches yet, but we have a, a nice lineup for it uh, here. So, uh, and then we and got a new uh, new contract in wrestling with New Japan. Go ahead and tell us. Soberano Jr. has a dual contract with CMLL and New Japan, similar to what Teton has. And so we may end up seeing one of those guys that would be an early favorite to be in the G1. I'm excited about this too. It's nice watching CMLL, which I've been doing. The New Japan logo kind of so they have a video board around the ring let me i jumped ahead there they have a video board that goes around their apron like wwe does it's not just a curtain there or a piece of fabric it's a video board and when the cmll logo kind of rolls across it the new japan logo comes right after it every time it's almost like they're on equal 
sides there present uh, with that presentation. So Rocky Romero just lost the uh, NWA historic middleweight title. He's held for a long time. I think since January, uh, yeah. just lost that to Mascara, Mascara Dorada. And so uh, the working agreement seems to be going very strongly right here. And Soberano looked damn good in that tag team tournament. And I'm happy that he's going to be in new Japan more this year, this yeah, year, next uh... year, 2024. He's one of those guys that I feel like he's on the cusp of being more recognized as a name than he is now, kind of like La Sombra was at, in 2015-2016. So I, I am excited to get more exposure to him prior to Fantastica Mania, prior to the New Japan Cup maybe, prior to G1. I, I honestly expect him to be in all of these things at this point. All right. And what else we have? I think we just got our uh, our obligatory Naito review at this point. Is that well, what we get? Well, yes, but we also have the the uh, bodybuilding contest participants. Oh, the up. concurso! Do I have the yeah. concurso in here? I thought I did. I thought you did. I thought I did too. I think it's toward the top. I'm working on it. Yeah, we'll get I'm it up there. But anyway, this is the little the little bodybuilding contest. So if you notice, the guy's getting more cut. Uh, that's because this is all uh, coming up here. Uh, so anyway, uh, Jeremy will find that pretty soon. And I don't have uh, it. <laughs> okay. I think I have the list here, so I'll, I'll get to it here. Um, yeah, I got yeah. the list. I don't have it. Yeah, here it is. Tama Tonga, defending champion, by the way. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomoaki Honma, Ryusuke Taguchi. Okay. Uh, Master Wado, El Desperado. <laughs> Doki, Sorry. who is more ripped than you'd think. He wears that shirt in the ring, but that dude's uh, in good shape. Kosei Fujita, we know he's pretty cut. Ryoheo Iwa. Uh, Yuto Nakashima. Okay. Uh, Oscar Loibe. Uh, Bolton Oleg. Uh, Shoma Kato and Katsuya Murashima. Those are the two new young lions. They will all be taking, uh, they, they will all be part of it. Photos will be taken backstage at Corican Hall this week. Uh, with a poll for the Japanese fans taking place uh, starting uh, December 23rd. So that'll be part of the New Japan social media. So as you see these you, guys, they're dieting down. Do you Not a carb to be feel had. like that year that Tanahashi won the Concurso and then basically like was never able to have that physique again? Did that curse him? I don't know if it cursed him, but I mean, I, I think the guy just was like, I would like to eat something. Now. And he's like, I'm never going to cut to that level again because I don't think he ever tried, <laughs> ever quite got that trend. Well, Tanahashi's abs go in and out, just depending they on do. how he's they dieting do. and how he's training and all that stuff. He he knows how to do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, should we look at the the Noah card or the the what should we what should we do next here? What do you want? Why do? don't we remind everybody what we have planned for next week, and then uh, we will. Let, explain the Noah and the stardom length because of the Wrestle Kingdom. And then we uh, will decide whether we want to recap the that final match or not. So Wrestle Kingdom week is going to involve a lot of things. It's going to involve a Noah show. It's going to be involved Dream Queendom. And all of this is within the New Japan universe. There will be uh, New Japan wrestlers on the Noah show in a prominent spot. And of course, the IWGP Strong. Women's Championship will be defended at Dream Queendom. So all of these things are going to weave together as a part of it's the uh, the story. So with that in mind, again, we have Scott Edwards coming on a week from today. Scott is one of the experts on Joshi wrestling in the world. And I say that without any hesitation. I mean, this is this guy is one of the best. So he's going to get us up to speed on all that. 
we're going to talk that Noah show. And uh, the Noah show has, uh, like I said, House of Torture is going to be there. Tanahashi is going to be there. We'll go over that in a little bit. And so all of that is going to lead up to our uh, show on Friday, which will have Chris Samsa. That's going to be more Wrestle Kingdom Central. We're going to talk Wrestle Kingdom with Scott, but that's going to be a little more all-encompassing, and we need to cover this Cork and Hall show. Everything is tied. They're web-woven from yeah. all these different promotions. So it's a two-part preview, one with Scott, and then we're going to really like hardcore Wrestle Kingdom on Friday with Chris Samsa. And, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, other things with Chris as well. But that's kind of the plan there. So just the overall Wrestle Kingdom week will be covered, not just the Wrestle Kingdom event itself, because each little bit there has some storyline for us, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's nuggets there. And uh, I'm glad I kept my Noah uh, subscription, the Wrestle Universe thing, so I can just slide right in there and, and catch up with everything that's been going on because – if you really truly want to be to know every single detail going into Wrestle Kingdom, watching the Noah shows are in fact important. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming up uh, with that. So, do we want to just do the Wrestle Kingdom rundown right now, or what did you have in mind? I'm going to follow your lead, buddy. The Venom Long Let's Show. <laughs> okay, so let's start in, well, we'll go in order. So we're going to have Dream Queendom coming up on December 29th. The key matches as far as New Japan goes is Julia will be defending the NJPW Strong Women's Championship against Megan Bain. Megan Bain has been uh, doing an excellent job as sort of a monster uh monster heel at first she attacked tam nakano uh since then she's kind of endeared herself a little bit more to the crowd she's more of a tweener but she will be challenging uh julia for uh that belt and uh should be a heck of a card there as well suza suzuki versus micah will determine a new world of stardom champion that belt vacated with time nakano's injury we'll have mirai against uh sayori anu for the wonder of stardom championship aphrodite which is uh, Utami Hayashita and Sayakamatani, both of whom very recently came back from injury against uh, Natsuko Toro and Momo Watanabe for the Goddess of Stardom Championship. That's the tag team titles and uh, and more. But the main thing for New Japan uh, canon will be that Julia Megan Bain match for the Strong Women's Championship. And I have to say, Jeremy, here, that is probably as much jeopardy as that title has been in since Julia won it. And with the Mercedes Monet thing, maybe happening, maybe not. Who knows? I don't Nobody think the Mercedes Monet thing's happening. Then, then I think it's in serious jeopardy. They may well, you know, go with that. So they've I, I, the Trisha Door match, but they haven't actually confirmed the Trisha. Yeah, and, and and it could be just a retention for Julia. We don't know yeah. how long Megan Bain and is it's even. How going to they be. do business? They don't advertise the following match without like the title defense currently on the plate, but. Right. Uh, Megan Bain is a name, and she's getting to be a bigger and bigger name. So I am excited to have Scott on here, and you guys can analyze the crap out of it while I throw in my cheese. <laughs> well, that's the, it, Bain is – it's not on the level of Mariah May, where Mariah May went from an unknown to an, oh, my God, somebody signed this woman immediately type of rise. Well, she was the one in the conversation a few months back about, is she on excursion with AEW? And – Yes and no. Like they're all involved in her development, but she is doing this, it seems, of her own development, not someone directing her to go do this. 
it's certainly raising her stock and it's amazing what working full uh, with stardom will do for your uh, working ability and your rate and just your just your overall game there it's it's really really helpful and and just getting reps right i mean the one thing about being with AEW no house shows really i mean if you're not on the you, you could go a couple of weeks without a match the one thing about stardom is it's a tough schedule but you get reps right and nothing nothing like ring time yeah yeah nothing like nothing like ring time and stardom is Start them, you go hard or you go home. <laughs> that's, that's very you go home if you go too hard. <laughs> that's yeah. And if you go too hard, you end up going home in a sling, is what happens. So on January, well, I mean, you get these people get hurt yeah. a lot. That's yeah. you know, there's been a rash of injuries. And I, so I didn't mean that derogatorily. I just mean that is it's just it's the reality. Like you watch five star Joshi show with Scott Edwards, and he's giving an injury report alongside the news and notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that leads us to January 2nd, which is a Noah show. This is the big new, it's just called the new year, as far as I can tell. There, that's just the table. And there are a lot of interesting matches on this show. Uh, one that's not New Japan adjacent anymore is uh, Naomi, uh, Naomichi Marufuji against Kota Ibushi in a singles match. Should be intriguing. We're also going to be seeing uh, Zack Sabre Jr. teaming with Yoshinari Ogawa, the uh, wily veteran, against Tanahashi and Hayata. We will see Kiyomiya and Oiwa against Evil and Yujiro. That'll be on that Noah show. We are also going to be seeing Go Shiozaki against Satoshi Kojima on that. In a, a couple of guys who are older than most as far as it goes, but uh, can really work a good match. So that's going to be terrific. And then he, the match, Tomohiro Ishii. I'm here for that one. I'm his doppelganger, Masa, Masa Kitamiya. These two were separated at birth. Now they will come together on uh, January 2nd and face each other in Noah. And uh, that's just going to be the, the big E match, right? Uh, big meaty men slapping meat. The Is that big how you meat like men slapping meat match. This will be kicking off my week of vacation where oh. I'll probably start watching this on a, uh, on a lovely morning. And then I will uh, get my sleep schedule all messed up uh, for Wrestle Kingdom two nights later. You know, if you're a night owl, and an early bird, it's possible if your sleep schedule is that messed up. <laughs> and there's a lot of, uh, here are the main matches. Of, if In case you are Noah curious here, uh, the uh, junior heavyweight title, Daga, against Aita. And then the heavyweight title match, uh, Kenu, against Manabu Soya. And uh, not a lot can go wrong in those, Jeremy, uh, barring any kind of early, early injuries. And that's, this is a hell of a good card. Kino is... Uh... He's because he's in Noah, he doesn't get enough attention, but he's in the conversation for wrestler of the year. Okay. Any other thoughts? Of course, in the court, we're going to run down a wrestle kingdom. We'll get to it next week. It's going to be all about kingdom right there, but uh, that is what we have uh, mostly for this week. Well, we're keeping an eye, keeping our fingers crossed for all of these uh, continental classic matches that Danielson doesn't get hurt. <laughs> and until then, uh, you know, we're just kind of waiting to see what other matches are added to that card. I think we are going to be very close to having the finalized card within a day or so after this next match. There may be some angles tomorrow morning in the Corican Hall that will lead to a little bit more, maybe something after Noah, but I have a feeling they're going to start announcing things pretty soon. There, there, anything is up for grabs prior to the press conference is how I want to look at it. Once the press conference is done, the card is locked. That's kind of how I am operating moving forward with the Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know when the press conference is. I think it's probably on the third. Um, 
So anything that happened at the Noah show could possibly lead to it. Like we're talking a six man with uh, uh, Shota Umino and Kiyomiya and Oewa versus Ren and Evil and Yuchiro because that seems like a natural progression of what they have going on at Noah. And uh, Shota not being there seems like they're holding him back for something else. Um, we had a great show. We did. And I know we do want to talk a little bit about the Okada Naito match uh, from past Wrestle Kingdom, just to kind of get us to this point of Naito's story. Yeah. Uh, so did you have thoughts on the uh, previous Naito world title main event uh, with he and uh, Kazushi Okada? Any thoughts on that before we move so, on? So this was the match that we ended up talking previewing this past week and we were going to talk about it and you know plant just kind of went haywire and we didn't get a chance <laughs> to talk about it as much but i like this match i thought it was better than their previous match i also thought that okada was so much more in his prime in this match than naito was and that's mm-hmm. not to say that naito wasn't able to keep up but their last matchup i felt Naito was physically the superior to Okada because Okada was still a little bit young. And as much as we want to say that he was always in his prime, there were still things that he was learning and he could still get better at. And Mm -hmm. I felt like their positions kind of shifted and Okada was physically the more prime wrestler. We saw the Stardust attempted again in this one. Um, we saw it was near the end of the sequence, but it didn't play into the finishing sequence really as much as uh, previous matches that it's been used in. Um, but with Naito winning, it ended up really ending a era of his career in which he had to exercise a bunch of demons. From the point on in this match, when this match was over, it felt like there was a new era to Tetsuya Naito. Conversations about can he win the big one at the big event, those kind of things. Those all just kind of dissipated after this. And that was also a really big part of the, the match. Uh, a fantastic match. I mean, it's Okada and Naito at the WrestleDome. So, like, I don't think anyone's expecting me to tell you that it was, you know, just okay. Because it wasn't. It was fantastic. But these were the things that I took away from it as I was watching it. What do you got? No, I, I agree with you. It was it was a matter of, you know, the big moment for – it was for the world title and the intercontinental title. And it was just a matter of, yeah, Okada was definitely at the very top of his game right here. Yeah. And, and it did seem like he was – not carrying Naito, that's not fair to Naito. That's not what I'm trying to say. But, it, like, he was the guy in that match. He was match. pacing the match. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, it, it was just a matter of just two really great wrestlers and two guys that the crowd were really into. Uh, you know, the fans were really all about those two in that one. So uh, it, it was exciting. It was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, in the end, though, it was uh, – I, I felt more about, wow, what a performance by Okada than uh, by Naito. So I'm curious to see how I feel about it after this uh, match coming up on January 4th. Will I be saying that was Sonata at his very best, or are we going to get – the full thing where oh, Naito pulled uh, a great match out again, despite uh, all the damage his body's taken over the years and uh, rose to the occasion. I, I think Naito is very much capable of doing so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, probably the best of the three matches that we watched with Naito. Yeah. Uh, it was better than Muda and it was for, better than the first Okada 
Naito match. For extra credit, if you feel like watching it, uh, we're not going to cover it because we have so much, but the original plan was Naito versus Ibushi because we felt like that too would have some elements that would enhance your appreciation for the Wrestle Kingdom match coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one of those main event Naito matches at the Dome. Uh, if you get to it, I would recommend checking out that uh, Ibushi versus Naito Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 from Wrestle Kingdom 16. If you look 15, back, at, if you look back at Naito's history here, this is a guy who really shows up for big matches, and he really almost always puts something special together. Uh, Naito's psychology is second to none, even when his body is sometimes failing him in his matches. His psychology is still right there. So, on the big stage, in the dome, with that crowd on his side, uh, Naito is pretty special when it comes to that. So. Uh, definitely recommend going back through the archives. They are up. I know not everything on New Japan World is uh, where we were hoping it would be uh, at this stage as far as the archives go. But, uh, and I do have a couple things to note before we go on that, but the Wrestle Kingdom stuff is all there. And you can go back and watch that. And Naito at Wrestle Kingdom is uh, always something special. He always shows up. He's always great there. And it's worth going back and watching those matches. Agreed and agreed. What else they you got? Also, Anything? They, very quickly, they also put up a few Osamu Kito matches after his mm-hmm. passing. Then there's one particularly, it's a multi-man match from 1986 that's up there that's basically Team New Japan versus the returning Team UWF. So, UWFI. So, it was Maeda and Kito and a lot of the guys that left to form the original UWFI that came back to New Japan, and they sort of did it as an invasion angle in a way. So you had these guys coming back and not exactly welcomed back by the fans. Uh, They were kind of seen as the returning turncoats, so to speak, even though they were back with New Japan. There's a match on there. It's an elimination match that has guys like Kido, Akira Maeda, Nobuhiko Takata, who would become a major figure in UWFI history Mm -hmm. down the road. Uh, And then on the other side, you had Inoki, Fujinami, Kengo Kimura, uh, even... uh, Ueda, who was kind of the uh, chaos goblin of uh, New Japan at the time, and a heel uh, teaming up with uh, the hometown team, so to speak, to face these returning UWFI guys. The heat for this match is off the charts. Like the fans are so into every single thing that's going on in there. And that one's uh, worth a look. Uh, th- uh, there are three keto matches. That's the best okay. one. They also had a match there where he and Maeda faced. Uh, was it Fujinami and Kimura for the tag team titles? Just really good stuff. Kind of shows off the best of Kido from the the 1980s and some really hot matches. So the the crowds were the crowds were on fire for New Japan at that time. It's fun to watch. Uh, there also been um, a Naito and Sonata interview, video interview kind of thing that has aired on YouTube and New Japan World, and I suspect a lot more are coming over the next couple of days for these uh, wrestling packages. We will go ahead and try and cover those and recap them. If there's anything newsworthy or significant uh, regarding them, we will talk about them on our Wrestle Kingdom preview next Friday with Chris Samsa. And uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, click, share, talk about speaking a strong style. Beginning of the show, we had a Yelpian uh, Hikaleo talking all their careers. So if you're catching up with now, check out the beginning of the show. Thank you for watching. Stephen Conway, what do you got? 
I think we're ready to sign off. So for Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thank you once again for tuning in, for listening. However you uh, get uh, with us here each week on Speaking of Strong Style, we're grateful for you. Thanks for letting us do this for you. With that in mind, we will talk to you again very soon. Take care. And thank you to El Fantasmo and Hikaleo for the time that they gave us today.